and welcome back. Greetings and salutations from the USA and the beautiful city, place, southern Italy called Calabria. I have a very special guest from there, uh, a first-time guest. Rabbi Barbara Aiello is joining me on Skype from Calabria. Rabbi, how are you? I am doing very well, and it's an honor to be with you today. Thank you for inviting me. The honor is all mine, and we'll talk about why here as we go along in the conversation. Thank you for joining me for today's conversation. So before we begin, uh, I'm guessing probably some people here may not know exactly who you are, Rabbi, so tell us something about yourself. Well, I am Italy's first female rabbi, and uh, I am here in Calabria, back in the town where my father and grandfather and bisnoni and bisbisnoni all the way back many many generations almost 400 years i uh, have lived and uh and uh, participated in 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 the life and the culture of the calabrian mountains called the reventino i'm celebrating this year my 20 years as a rabbi and i have been ah oh, thank you thank you and I have been interested in all things uh, Calabrian dealing with the Jewish people. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited about the film and about your work, because I my heart is at, is at Ferramonte and has been for a number of years, and I know we'll talk about that in, in just a moment. But we have a small synagogue here, which we dedicated in 2006. It's called La Synagogue Ner Tamide del Sud, a combination of Hebrew and Italian, the eternal light of the South, meaning that the Inquisition tried to wipe out Judaism here in southern Italy and in the, in the foot of the boot and it didn't happen we um, uh, we have uh, built a synagogue we are the first and only synagogue in Calabria in 500 years since the Inquisition and of course Calabria is the geographical size of the US state of Virginia so we have people who travel a long distance to be a part and uh, be a part of the of, of the holiday and s Sabbath uh, worship service we offer in addition to the Jewish festivals, and we have a wonderful relationship with our local priest, and we share, a, we, we do a lot of interfaith work together too. So wonderful. here I am in my studio, I'm in my in my rabbi's study up in the, uh, the 3,500 feet above Nicastro in uh, the little town of Sarastretta, and it's uh, wow. the miracle of technology, my friend, yes. that we can talk together yes. today. Yes, you are about 4,000 miles away or so from me. I'm, I'm here in Ohio. Um, I have to ask you, how does one become the world's first female is is that uh, in, I mean like is there a, for, for me, like is that a college yeah. class that that you take or <laughs> <laughs> I am um, well you, there interestingly enough um, in the in uh, North America in the US and in yeah. Canada as well as Australia and Great Britain uh, that's where the majority of female rabbis are the very first one was 1972 all the wow. way back but but it was in the 80s and 90s where the seminaries really opened up to uh, okay. to, to women. And uh, but in in Europe, which tends to be, as you know, more traditional than other parts of the world, there are only a few female rabbis on co in continental Europe. And I am, as I said, the first and only female rabbi in Italy. And uh, maybe even more important is I am the only non-Orthodox rabbi. So we bring a modern approach to Judaism to Italy and uh, it's been an exciting journey. 
It is interesting. So I guess there are a lot of Italian Jewish people of heritage there, uh, more than people probably know. More than people probably know. You're absolutely right because okay. uh, the um, we've been able to determine that 40 to 50 percent of the population of Calabria, Sicily, and the Aeolian Islands was wow. was Jewish um, prior to the Inquisition. And the Inquisition mm-hmm. started, of course, in Spain. The Jews were chased out of Spain, the expulsion in 1492, to Portugal, to Sicily, to the toe of the boot, and then eventually up into the Reventino, and into, into the mountains. And uh, people uh, practiced in secret. They were forced to accept Christian conversion. They, pra- they maintained their Jewish traditions in secret. And so that's kind of, I guess I'm a little bit like an, uh, like an investigatore and uh, looking around for Jewish tradition and confirming for people things that they've known in their hearts for years and years, that something's a little different about our family, something's a little, a little unusual, some of our cultural and, uh, and, and uh, personal um, uh, approaches to life are a little different. And I've been able to confirm that many of these differences are actually Jewish traditions. It's, that's, that's an amazing piece of history. I really, un- until, until my dad was close to the completion of his film back in 2017. That's when I, I did some more digging, as it were. Then, then I started to realize what's going on here. So you've been officially a rabbi, you said, for 20 years? I'm sorry, what did you say? About 20 years or Yes, so? 20, 20 years, yes. Okay. I started out in Florida, in um, Bradenton, Florida. Okay. The winter home of the Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> yes. And I am yes. a Pirates fan because that's where I was born, in Pittsburgh. And... Uh, uh, and then um, I had the opportunity to be rabbi in Milan, in Italy, and then we got a small grant to start the synagogue in Calabria. And I was thrilled because I've come back to my roots, come back to my home, and, uh, and to the yeah. town where my family is from for centuries. Wow. And it is a joy, a joy to be here. Wonderful. Well, just to show off a little bit, I was born in New York, so I'm a Yankees fan. Hey, go Yankees! No, but uh, uh oh, uh oh. <laughs> uh, that's that's okay. We all have our own favorite team. They've been on a roll lately, so I have to show off. They're in first place for now, but things can change. Okay. But go Yankees, anyway. <laughs> uh, uh, but getting back to what you were saying, so when you first became a rabbi and went back there. Were you greeted warmly? Were people surprised? Was it a combination of, oh, I didn't know that, welcome, tell us more? It was probably a combination of everything. It was. It was a combination of everything. I brought my father back here in the 1970s, and he hadn't been here for a long, long time. And uh, um, he, he, he and his brother were instructed in Judaism by my grandmother, by their mother. And the girls in the family, all the eight girls, they were not. And uh, it, I often think that maybe what my grandmother was doing was allowing the girls to become more marriageable, possibly, mm-hmm. yeah. and, uh, but, but wanting to pass the Jewish traditions along to her two sons, which, uh, uh, which she did. Coming back here uh, uh, was an opportunity to reconnect with my roots. My, my family was well known in the town. Yeah. And, you know, and you probably know that in Calabria, it sometimes takes a little while for the Calabresi to warm up to you unless you are unless you are a paesina or paesino or paesini 
and then it's open arms, right? And so I took advantage of that and uh, and said, you know, I call this our our paradise. That this is this is it, one of Italy's best kept secret, il nostro paradiso, veramente. And uh, uh, and and also uh, we we have opened the synagogue to anyone who's interested. Come, be a part, share in a bar mitzvah, be a guest at a wedding. Enjoy Hanukkah with um, with with uh, uh, Don Antonio and I share the holiday together, and we are open to everyone. And uh, we let people know that that the Jewish religion is not secretive. We're open-minded. We embrace we embrace everyone, and we're grateful. We're grateful to be here, and that's been really important too. That's that's wonderful. Just to let people know who don't speak Italian, paisano is not an Italian sandwich. That's panino. <laughs> panino. That's and, and I remember the, those paninos there in Italy. Uh, Italy in general, of course, is a lot of history there, as you all know. But southern Italy by the ocean, Sicily, Messina, Taormina, I, I remember. Be- oh, absolutely, especially in the summer. It gets a little hot, but beautiful. I mean, it's a lot of people will post pictures of Sicily and, and places like that on, on, on Facebook by the ocean. And, and it's almost like somebody took some Sherman, Sherman Williams blue paint and just painted the water. And oh, in some places so you can see it's, it's like invisible. You can see right through it like, invis- right. like, like liquid glass. Right you know. to the bottom, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, speaking of posting pictures, there are many uh, churches that were once synagogues taken over by the Inquisition authorities, mm. and several uh, on many of these, more than several, I would say, in many of these churches, vestiges of the of of the Jewish past remain. Uh, the Magen David, the um, uh, the Star of David, uh, in the ro- in the windows, is often left. As a matter of fact, in Timpone and in Nicastro, which is right near us and is the um, intact Jewish quarter, has a, um, a a the remnant of the Star of David window with three of these six points rounded okay. off, and we, you can see that all over southern Italy, as um, uh, as the Inquisition authorities probably felt because it was very superstitious back in the day that maybe they shouldn't destroy every vestige of Judaism that somehow or another it would bring them bad luck. And uh, it's brought us good luck because we are able to see these churches that were once synagogues and these these um, neighborhoods, these little towns and villages and Vico and uh, little, little, little streets and areas, the Judeca all over Calabria. We've been able to find them easily. I'll watch Travel Channel. History Channel and anything, of course, anything about Italia, I'll watch and and of course, like a lot of people, I'll see something. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, that's interesting. Anyway, there's a lot there to mm-hmm. uh, discover, as it were. And the Italian Jews is just part of uh, that history. Part, that's part of, part of a yeah. wonderful history, yeah. right? And we're part mm. of Magna Grecia, Greater Greece, the Romanio mm. Jews that uh. came from Spain, and uh, we're Spanish speakers, Greek speak- speakers in this area. There is, uh, um, there's so much to connect to Jewish tradition, and that's okay. what I do. I, I, I let people know that their their history includes yes. Judaism. Yeah. Wonderful, and that, and of course, that's what your father has done with this fabulous film. We'll talk about that shortly. Okay, well, let's segue into uh, what the film is about. Let's go to uh, a place called Ferramonti first. All right, um, I want you to describe it, but 
I had never heard until really a couple years ago. I had really never heard of a concentration camp that saved lives. Okay. Uh, you know, I, we've all seen History Channel. We know World War II, um, uh, Auschwitz-Birkenau, Treblinka, many others. Uh, but I want you to tell me and tell the people, what is Faramonti and why should people care? Faramonti is a very important piece of Italian history and especially Southern Italian history. And at a time when... When Italy, uh, when Mussolini aligned with Hitler, this was a very, a very dark period in Italian history, and uh, the the last open borders during World War II for Jews to travel out of their home, out of their home countries where they were being persecuted by the Nazis, and uh, were able to enter a country without a visa was Italy, and so many Jews fled to Italy and found safe haven there. Until Mussolini aligned with Hitler, until the Falco laws, which were like the Nuremberg laws, but just the um, the Italian version of, um, of of discrimination and persecution against Jews. Shortly after that, Jews were rounded up and sent to uh, internment camps, deportation camps. One of the worst ones in northern Italy was Fossoli, and many Jews were, were transported from there to the concentration camps in Eastern Europe. Others made their way to Ferramonti, and Ferramonti is so unusual because it is the only camp in all of the history of, of the Nazi movement, the horrible history of Nazism, it is the only camp where where 4,000 Jews were interred and not one single Jew was killed, not one single Jew was deported, all thanks to the, to the, uh, the, the la testa dura, la testa dura of the Italian soldiers and the local villagers in, in Ferramonte di Tarsia, the little village nearby. The commandant of the camp was um, adamant that, that Jews would not be persecuted, and he told the Jews there, he said, look, as long as you don't do anything to make me look bad, you and I you and I will work together to save lives. And that's exactly what happened. There were four deaths, and those were of natural causes. And the commandant was so um, uh, caring toward his uh, Jewish internees, that uh, detainees, I should say, uh, he was so caring to his Jewish detainees that when those four passed away, he made sure that they were buried underground rather than in the little capelli and the little... Um, um, little um, uh, houses, you know, where you, where people are buried above ground in Calabria because the, the, the ground is volcanic rock. But in honor of Jewish tradition, these four Jews were buried underground with headstones written in Hebrew, their names and a prayer written in Hebrew. Such caring, such love. And Faramonti is, is, I believe, one of Italy's best-kept secrets because... People did not know when they hear concentration camp, the idea is Auschwitz, Treblinka, Buchenwald. My father was a liberator of the Buchenwald camp, and uh, it was horrific, What, of course, what the Jews suffered. 
That's not to say that being being deported and having to live in Ferramonte was a picnic or a pleasure. Absolutely not. Being wrenched out of your home and being chased and persecuted is 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 something that Jews have suffered for uh, millennia. But um, uh, and and living in in Ferramonte was not easy. However, families stayed together. Um, they had gardens together. Uh, the there were there were two synagogues in the in the camp. There was a Talmud Torah, a Hebrew school, with a picture in the museum of the children holding their certificates, holding their certificates. There was a drama club, a photography club. There was a, a doctor's office, dental practice, and the doctor's office was open to people, to Italian villagers who brought their sick children and their, their ill, Ill um, uh, paesini to be treated by the local Jewish doctor. There were authors and um, uh, pr- um, people who, who were, uh, ran, ran printing presses. There were artists that lived um, in safety, maybe not in comfort, but they lived in safety. And when you travel into the museum, when you go into the museum, and I've been there so many times, we planted an olive tree in honor of um, of the Jews of Calabria, and um, uh, and we have we hold a, a, a symposium there, uh, telling the story of Ferramonte every few years too. And when you walk into the museum, you see the cots and the beds with the sheets on them, not the horrible um, uh, uh, sleeping arrangements that, that you see in the, in, in the Auschwitz camp. And uh, immediately the visitor is struck by the humane conditions, not perfect conditions and not, not, not something that anyone would want to wish on anyone, but humane conditions. Uh, Judith Yitzhak was born on a ship that was docked in Napoli that had come from Benghazi loaded with Jews that were were trying to escape the Nazis. She was later taken to a hospital and uh, after her birth uh, by by her mother, her dad was sent to Ferramonte and then the mother and baby, baby Judith, eventually round up there. Judith spent her first five years in the camp, including two years after liberation, where the family was not in any hurry to leave. They were waiting for they were waiting for visa and they knew that they would be treated well in the camp and they could stay as long as they wanted, and they did. Judith remembers being in the sidecar of the commandant, going into town for gelato. She remembers a horse ride, um, things to engage the children. And she remembers studying the Hebrew alphabet in the Talmud Torah, Torah school. And, uh, um, and, and her mother was the, interestingly enough and coincidentally enough, her mother was the head of the photography class. Club. And as a result, her mother created an album of Ferramonte activities that is an absolute treasure. And the photograph that I sent to you shows Judith holding the album and how she, in our symposium, yeah, went yeah. page by page and, and talked about okay. life in the, in the Ferramonte camp. And when they when after liberation and her family went first to San Francisco and then eventually to uh, Tel Aviv, um, when there was a meeting of camp survivors, her mother 
Judith's mother and took little Judith, as a little girl, to this meeting of Holocaust survivors that was held in the San Francisco area. And people were talking about the horrors of Auschwitz. They were talking about the brutal treatment, the sadistic nature of the Nazi guards, talking about the crematorium. And, and uh, Judith's mother took out the album and she was showing people, and people couldn't believe it. She, they couldn't believe it. She couldn't believe it. The mother couldn't believe it either that this was what was happening to other Jews, in, mostly in Eastern, in Eastern Europe. And her mother admonished Judith, and she said, Judith, don't talk too much about Faramonti. We didn't suffer enough. And... Judith says she remembers how her mother said at this meeting, well, you know, we didn't get clean sheets maybe just once a month. And sometimes the vegetables in the garden didn't grow. And the other survivors are looking at Judith's mother with her mouth, their mouths open in shock that, th that this was a concentration camp. And as a result, Judith's mother took the, took the album and put it away. And after she passed on, Judith felt that the Faramonti story had to be told. And so she has come back to Faramonti on several occasions with her, her granddaughter, who is a member of the Israeli Defense Forces, who is a, an IDF soldier. And uh, when we came to Faramonti, we stopped at the train, what the remnant of the of the train station, a tiny little little area that's the size of a phone booth, and uh, the the uh, uh, the 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 carabinieri stopped the traffic. All of us got off the bus, and carrying the Italian and the Israeli fl flag, we walked the the several kilometers to the camp in honor of the of Judith's family and all the people who not only wow. live there wow. but who but who survived what just just so i get this straight what you described this was a concentration camp yes it was it an internment or or or, or right. a detention camp because right. One of the things that happened was the Nazis came on several occasions with flatbed trucks ready to take everybody to train to the trains and to deport them to Auschwitz. The commandant was so clever that he instructed mostly the elderly people to throw themselves on the fences, on the fences, coughing and hacking while he hoisted the typhus flag and the Nazis were scared to death of disease and they on three occasions fled with nobody on the trucks. <laughs> Meanwhile, these people are going, oh, oh, wow, 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 wow. <laughs> Absolutely wow. amazing. So creative. So creative. Um, and this is how this is how the, their lives were saved. What what was the risk to the Italians amidst the horrors of World War II? And what was going well, on specifically? That Yeah, what was their risk? risk well, yeah. uh, Commandant Palatucci was um, denounced. He was denounced by uh, fascists in the area. He was deported to Dachau concentration camp where he died, where he was mm. murdered there. So what were the risks? Tremendous. Absolutely tremendous, and uh, um, uh, but but the the atmosphere in the camp was, uh, and and among the Italian soldiers that were there. We, well, let me just say this: 
we know Calabresi, don't we? We know Calabresi who have never had a great love for Italian government. A lot of times the government enacts a law or enacts some, something that Calabresi think is really foolish or ridiculous. And this is the attitude, right? <laughs> right. And so the idea that, that a camp was going to separate families hurt children, create create hardship, was anathema to the Calabrians. They said, what kind of a crazy pazzo, una cosa pazzista, pazzesca for the government to want to do to families, to Jews. And and also um, uh, the Italian Jews that were some, some of whom were included in the camp. It was, you know, you're, you're, we're all Italians was the feeling and this is just ridiculous. So Keeping up appearances, we, we know how important brutta figura and bella figura are in, in uh, Italian culture. Don't look bad. Make yourself look good. Palatucci said, don't make me look bad. Don't make a brutta figura and we'll survive this together. And they did. <sighs> they pulled it off amidst what was hap off. happening a great risk to, to themselves, to the Italians. They, they realized, from, 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 from what I read, once the local residents of Calabria saw these quote-unquote prisoners, Jewish people, and then they realized husbands, wives, men, women, children, they were just like they were, but then they realized that the propaganda machine, well, they just didn't believe it. And they mm -hmm. welcomed them uh, they as as best they could. And there's a um, I forget exactly who it was, but there was a survivor of the camp who was a child, and he said um, he was quoted as saying that his dad whispered in his ear, and I don't know if it was specifically at at that camp, but at that time he says um, he says to me, he says that, that my father whispered, the world must never forget how Italians saved Jews. Mm -hmm. uh, That's right. and, and I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's other stories similar to this, but think about it. A, a, a concentration camp that saved lives. It almost sounds ridiculous. But, Nobody but, could believe it. Nobody could believe it. And, you know, one of the things that we face here in the south of Italy is the prejudice against people from the south, the horrible terroni word, meaning big, meaning many things, among it big dumb peasant. In other words, nothing good comes out of Calabria. And, uh, and so the Calabrians had a sense of what, it, what it's like to be discriminated against. Um, when, um, uh, when my mother-in-law, who was the first female doctor in Calabria, when she was studying in Torino, she was faced with signs that said, said no, no, no dogs are Calabrians in the, permitted in the stores in, the, in, the, in, these, in, these, in these establishments. So Calabresi had an idea of what it was like to be discriminated against and they identified with the Jews that were that were deported and and interred in the camp, and uh, and also the idea that we're we're all in this together. And uh, Judith talks about how the doctor in the camp um, uh, took care of, of villagers. A kid, there was a guy who was cutting wood, and he he 
he axed himself in the in the head and the local doctor was so afraid that he had that this young man had brain damage that he bundled up and took him to Ferramonte. He took him to the doctor there because he knew this doctor was this Jewish doctor was well trained. The malaria was was awful in this in the area, you know, lowlands, marshy area. Not just for the people in the camps, but for all the villagers as well. The uh, not, not just for the Jews, but for the um, Calabresi too. So they worked together to um, try to you know to try to keep themselves safe from uh, uh, from the mosquitoes. The f food shortages were terrible, and so the the town and the camp shared what food they 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 had. Uh, the 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 family, the Jewish families had gardens and they shared the bounty of the gardens with the camp, the people in the camp and the people in the village. And, and, and Calabrians embrace them, I believe, because Calabrians know what it's like to be persecuted. They know what it's like. Even now, even now, there is a feeling that, that, that um, uh, the first Jews in the diaspora and the very first Jews in the diaspora in the world were Jews that came from Judea and landed by boat in um, uh, in Bova Marina, in what in, in what we would call the toe of the boot, where the town of Reggio Calabria is is, loca is located. And even today, there are some Jewish historians who want to who want to believe and who want to continue the misconception that Jewish Italy began with the slaves in Rome. Uh-uh, it began in Calabria. But for for the reasons I've just explained, there is this feeling that nothing good comes out of Calabria and we have been ignored and we have been um, uh, debased and we have been made fun of. And, and I think as a result, it has made us strong. And so to save 4,000 people in Ferramonte, we can do that. <laughs> No <laughs> and problem. We did, and <laughs> yeah, we right. did. And we did. Wow. Mm -hmm. Before we go into the film, topic of the film, mm -hmm. I read a story and there, there's a hint of this, what happened. There's a scene in the movie, there's a hint of what happened, but there's a story that goes that the commander, the commandante, was given an order that he was too lenient. He was too easy. Yes. He, needed, he needed to put his foot down and show the people who's the boss that, you know... Anyway, oh, yeah. so that's the, true. The, that's mm -hmm. true. So the commandante mm -hmm. had an idea. From what I read, and maybe you can verify the story, he rounded up all the children on the trucks, took them out of the camp, and I'm sure the mm -hmm. the people were were horrified. Oh my God, my you know my child. Oh, my children. Mm -hmm. The story goes, he came back in the afternoon, and the kids were all smiles and happy, and they asked the commander. What happened? He says, oh, don't worry. I just took him into town for some gelato. They're all fine. That's absolutely true. It's wow. absolutely true. Judith, Judith Yitzhak was one of those kids. Wow. Mm -hmm. I, I, I wish my dad and the crew could have filmed an extended scene of that. Because there's hint of it. I mean, I won't spoil it in the movie, but there's one of the spoilers. Uh -huh. But uh, what a wonderful mm -hmm. story amidst the horrors of what mm -hmm. went on. And even now, I, I, I almost get get kind of goosebumps. It's like, wow, because I'm, I'm trying to flashback at that time before technology, you know, before what we're doing with Skype and what they went through. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Um, all right, let's go into a film, a little film called La Croce e la Stella, The Cross and the Star that my dad produced. And I know you were part of it. 
Um, all right. So this is what I know about the history of, of, of this movie. Okay. By that, I think they started a production in 2011 there in Calabria, not too far from where you're at because the actual right. camp is actually not too far from you. I think it's, you said it's, it's in less than an, it's, it's, it's less than an hour. It's on the road to Cosenza. Right, okay. and then the filming I, I was in Belmonte. Yes, and that's that's nearby as well. Yes, I'm 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 very familiar with that. Okay, mm-hmm. so in 2011, I get a call from my dad. Well, I came across this story about a concentration camp. It's a true story. It's not too far from here, and I'm going to do the movie. Now, my first thought is an Italian concentration camp. I've seen tons of concentration camp stuff on history. Not a happy ending. Who cares? I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I didn't know the history yet. He says, no, no, I got to tell the story because it happened and this and that. At, at the time, I think my dad was going through some health issues and stuff, and I was worried about his health, as all kids are, you know. Now I'm going to do the story, and, you know, and Italians can be hard-headed, you know. So I said, okay, if you feel that you have to do it. and uh, I think I try to talk, talk him out of it. I think I tried, but now I got to tell the story and whatever happens, happened because it's a true story. People, the world needs to know this story. Okay. So I washed my hands with it. I, I, I just let it go. So we kept in touch. To make a long story short, he flies in in Pittsburgh from Rome, 2017, and we're driving home here. And he says, well, the, the film is almost done. At, I think it was originally called Ferramonti or something like that. But they changed it to La Croce, La Stella, The Cross and the Star. I'm like, okay, well, that's a cool title. Okay, I, it I, I You know, it's, it's the, the Cross of Jesus Star, David. Okay, all right. Well, it highlights the interfaith um, aspects of, of the relationship between yes. the townspeople and the Jews. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, so I said, uh, okay, uh, so tell me more about it. Well, uh, um, uh, I have a trailer to show. But he had like 13 minutes of an extended rough cut trailer. You know, I'm like, okay. And uh, he says, I wrote four or five songs for the movie on a CD. And uh, okay. And I still don't know really what this is about. You know, Ferramonti is like, huh? You know. So I said, okay, well, so what's going on? Have you been marketing it, trying to promote it? Well, he says, uh, the, the Vatican call, they loved it, and they want to see the whole thing. I'm like, the Vatican? In Rome? Like, like there's more than one Vatican, right? I'm like, <laughs> That's and great. My, That's and really I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm not an expert on history of what's going on like you are, but historically speaking, the Vatican and, you know, and concentration camp, yeah, it's not a good mix, you know, back then. You know, the Pope at the time, I won't go to the whole story, but... Like the Vatican's interested, they liked it. He says, "Yeah, and they want to see see it now." But I said, "No, why? Because it's not finished yet." Oh, okay. So we drove. So we, you know, we drove. It, it, it was it was like one two in the morning. So the next day, I saw the trailer, and um, I saw the trailer, you know, with Mussolini giving his fascist speech. But then the first thing that got to me uh, was the music. I'm like, "Wow, this feels more than what I thought it was." And the, the music just stuck with me, and it stayed with me even now. Beautiful soundtrack, as you heard. And I, I think I recall, I remember saying, the last time I heard an Italian soundtrack like this that was so emotional and haunting was back during the Godfather soundtrack. It's funny because some of my friends have said the exact same thing. 
So I'm like, it's a very wow. moving piece of music. Mm-hmm. It stays with you when you leave the theater, almost like the the soundtrack to Star Wars or something else. You know what the song is or what the music is. So I'm like, now again, this is just a rough cut hodgepodge of you know scenes from the movie, not really meant for public view. But I kind of got what the story was. I'm like, wow, this is really. I've never heard of such a, a story. I remember showing it to one of my friends, and she says, uh, okay, I would love to see the trailer. So I showed it to her, and uh, she was like, oh, my God, look at my arm. I have goosebumps. So I told my dad, and I said, Pop, I think you have something here. I haven't seen the whole thing yet. But I, I asked them, who did the music? Sandro Di Stefano. Who's that? Oh, he writes the music for the Vatican. Well, excuse me, you know. So it's like, but it made sense. It made sense. And Sandra, if you watch this, thank you. And I want I want you on the show too for an interview. So we finally finished the thing in late 2017. I think it was around Thanksgiving. He wanted me to fly to Rome to the studio to help him with the subtitles. And at the time, the worst heat wave in like 60 years. That's that, you know, that I was, it, I think the Roman, the Italians called the heat wave Lucifer. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, so I, I did not want to be stuck in a hot or semi hot studio. You know, I said, Pop, have you heard, of, have you heard of email? <laughs> so I said, uh-huh. send me the script all in Italian and I'll call you and then we'll, do, we'll do the subtitles. You know, what are you trying to say here? Blah, blah, blah. And we, it was like a few days of talking on, you know, on the phone, and we I made the corrections. So I I told them where to correct, on what scene, and what page. And um, I think it was finished December of 2017. So then, uh, that's when he sent me the entire film. Once it was all done, he sent me the the film, and I looked at. It, I'm like, it's pretty much what I thought. It's an amazing story. It's the almost forgotten story of human history uh but thanks to my dad and people like you who who brought this thing to to life uh, i think it's a story that needs to be told absolutely the timing is right and the fact that it's not fantasy it really happened and it was basically from what i see a humanity doing the right thing in spite of the odds, in spite of what was going around, around them, the horrors and the, uh, and the inhumanity, humanity won versus mm-hmm. inhumanity. And the Italians pulled it off. Uh, that's what I see in the film. What was your role? In the, what did you think of the film when you first saw it, first of all? But then what was your role in the film? Well... When I first saw the film, I was thrilled because so many years ago, I was part of the production. And I often wondered what happened to that film because I remember the sets and I remember the actors and and I, um, and I remember uh, just how honored I was to be invited to bring a real Taurus girl from the from the uh, uh, synagogue here to bring the prayer shawls called the called the talit, to bring the yarmulkes or the kippot for men to wear on their heads, and also to uh, consult with the director on how to how to create the scene 
when when uh, when the the uh, camp inmates were going to synagogue. Unbelievable! People in a Jews in a concentration camp filing into synagogue, and I remember as we were getting ready to film, I said, "Whoa, whoa! Stop, stop, stop the presses here! Women on one side, men on the other, because this would have been an Orthodox experience from the people from the the from the uh, camp camp inmates who had been coming from Poland or from Russia or from Germany and Austria, and so uh, the." actor who played the rabbi unrolled the Torah scroll and uh, it, it, it was uh, a, a joy, an absolute joy for me to bring things from our synagogue, the first synagogue in Calabria in 500 years since the Inquisition and to share these ritual items with a, such an important piece of Italian history, Italian Jewish history. And uh, um, I, uh, I, we sp I spent the whole day there and, uh, and offered, just offered a lot of, a lot of what I consider to be Jewish insight into what would have been happening, um, uh, Jewishly in the camp. And for, of course, from what, what I know also, what I know about the camp, there were two synagogues, just like in cities all over the world, the synagogue you go to and the other one that you don't. <laughs> And, uh, okay. you, you know, <clears throat> just the whole, the whole kind of, kind of yeah. uh, difficulty that, that many Jews have with one rabbi or another, whatever. There were two synagogues, actually two synagogues, but the sat was done beautifully and done perfectly. And uh, I had a wonderful relationship with the director on, uh, on site. And uh, I was uh, really, really grateful, grateful to be a part of this very, very important story. And as I said earlier, I'm so pleased with the title, La Croce e la Stella, The Cross and the Star, because this was an interfaith effort. This is the hope of the world, that we can come together as people, as spiritual beings in love and respect of, of each other's religious religious beliefs and observance and care and uh, care about each other and and love each other and uh, the the film that comes across in the film comes across and uh, wow. it's it's not to be missed it is not to be missed it's a fabulous it's a it's a fabulous I, I see it almost as a documentary a docudrama I just thought of a, a tagline for the poster the hope of the world comes to uh -huh. life Go see the wow. movie or something. I just wow. just popped to my head oh, yeah. of the yeah. poster. Yeah, the uh, other thing too yeah. that's so important about this film is that those children that you described that were got on the truck and were driven for gelato, they are in their eighties and nineties now, and we we need their testimonies and we need their stories before they pass on. So the timing couldn't be better. I uh, would. Well, Love to talk to some of them. If you can find a way to contact some of them, uh, uh, as long as they speak English, my my Italian is not that fluent. I don't speak Jewish. Well, many, you know? many, yeah. many yeah. of them, la you know, many of them made uh, um, Aliyah to Israel. Judith Yitzhak speaks English. She went. Their okay. family first went to San Francisco. Okay. There. A number of the uh, of the um, after liberation, a number of the detainees went to um, Oswego, New York, uh, and uh, uh, so you know we. I think it would be a good idea to try okay. to track down some of these okay. folks 
There's okay. a wonderful story too, and unfortunately, I believe the man uh, about whom the the, the story uh, it takes place is. Uh, um, I don't even know if he's still living or if he is. I think he may um, not be able to. He may have dementia now is what I think. But mm. the story was about a woman who gave birth in the camp. And she was so stressed and so upset that she could not nurse the baby. Mm. And so one of the soldiers took the baby because his wife was nursing a baby at home. And he took the baby and put him in a bread basket and covered him with, with a cloth and took the little little Walter home and and uh, Walter was nursed by the Italian soldier's wife and later on the son the son of of the um, of, of, of the camp baby um, wanted to try to find his dad's milk brother and he did and they met and it was um, absolutely, absolutely um, um, such a profound and and uh, and wow. emotional emotional meeting. A soldier, an Italian soldier, who was charged with the, with with harming Jews, risked his life and the life of his newborn baby and wife, and took this little camp, this little Faramonte camp Jewish baby to his wife to nurse to, to nurse nurse him and uh, uh, and later on they were able to meet thanks to the internet thanks to technology as you were talking about it was the son through the internet that was able to make the connection there are many stories like that uh, Carmen and I think I think there are you know there are many the people who who survived as adults in their 30s and 40s are gone now but the children are many of them probably are still alive and i think that that uh sharing the film with them maybe creating a some uh, an opportunity for them to see it virtually all gathered in different places around the world i think would mean a lot i want to tell you a quick funny story about the film but before i go that uh go there to that story um the the original camp does any of it survive i know there's a museum but the, like is any of it there bits and pieces yes. or is it all gone there yeah. no there is one building still okay. there the original building the rest okay. of the camp the museum and uh um and the 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 barracks are 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 are, are reproductions and okay. uh but there is one original building there still there okay mm -hmm. okay um Back this past May, my, my dad flew in, and we were having a coffee shop. There, there's a local coffee shop here called Brooklyn Brooklyn Bagel, uh, locally. So, so we sat outside having coffee, and uh, had some friends join in. So we started talking, and uh, we were talking about talking about the music. And my dad says, "Well, if you want, let let, let me just call Sandra Di Stefan if you want to say hi." I'm like, "Why don't we just call him?" I'm like. Okay, so he calls him and he picks up the phone and my dad says, you know, he says, hey, my, my son is here. He wants to talk to you. And so I'm talking to this. He's famous over there. Sandra's yes, famous. He he, yes, he's he already is. won two Academy Awards over there. So obviously, you know, he's been blessed, you know, with the gift. So we started talking. So I said, uh, listen, it's, it's great to talk to you. I said, I just wanted to thank you for what you did to the film. The music brings the film to life. It's, 
I told him the whole thing. It's haunting. It's beautiful. And it's not just me. Here's my friend. I gave the phone to my friend. She was there. And she said the same thing. Uh, you know, the wonderful story, beautiful music. I'm, I'm, I wanted to tell, to show Sandra that it wasn't just me saying it. It was other people. So he says, uh, well, you know why the music's good? And I can sense a joke coming. You know why? Because Italians know how to make a music. Oh, okay. That's right. So, uh, so I thanked him, and uh, I hope to meet him someday. So, Sandro, thank you again for this amazing. To, to me, it's Academy. It's it's Academy Award stuff. It's Oscar caliber soundtrack, in my opinion. You know, and it's and and it ain't just me saying it. So, hopefully, one day yeah. the world will see what you, what my dad, what everybody who made this project come to life. I hope the world one day will see it soon. Well, your father uh, is tenacious. It took years, and he never gave up. He never gave He told me this story that not a lot of people, I guess, had faith in the project or, eh, no. it's just a story. Who cares? So it's true. No one really wanted to help him, as it were. Uh, he almost didn't make it during the making of the movie. Thank God he's still with us. Uh, so I, I have to say to you, to my dad, to Sandra, to the entire crew that made this project possible. It's not what I expected. And I, you know, once again, I never heard of such a story. I don't think anybody in the States, well, now they will, <laughs> you know, uh, well, I, 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 le I lecture on Fairmonty as a scholar in residence in, in, in uh, around the United States and Canada. Uh, I okay. usually am invited to two synagogues or communities a year. And okay. when I give the Fairmonty talk, people are absolutely astounded. Very few people have heard about it. And when people come here to visit, we, we have uh, tour groups that come and I make sure that in seeing not only the, our synagogue here and Timponi, the, the uh, intact Jewish quarter in, in Nicastro, but I make sure that they see Ferramonti also. Yeah. One of the things that um, when I tell the Fairmonty story that I really appreciate is when a synagogue or Jewish organization pairs with an Italian-American organization. Uh, and uh, I've done several uh, talks where uh, the Italian club and the, and the Jewish Federation have gone together. And uh, I think it's really important because Italian-Americans have a deep sense of embarrassment of um, their country's participation in World War II. The Ferramonti story gives perspective, especially given the fact that of all, all um, uh, Italian-Americans -American, in the United States, 81% come from the south of Italy. So this is their story. This is the the untold story of World War II that gives that that I believe gives Italian Americans some some hope and some pride, and at a time in their history where that did not exist. I I totally agree. Look, I've seen a History Channel stuff on uh, what was going on back in World War II and in Rome with the Pope and all that. It's uh, it's it's not flattering. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm 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 not here to judge anyone, but it's not it's not flattering. Oh no, no. Just, I think yeah, one of the reasons yeah. that the hate crime laws in the European Union are so stringent yeah. for and and are uh, are so stringent and are enforced um, uh, uh, more effectively in in Germany and Italy than any of the other EU countries because of what Germany and Italy did to Jews. 
and uh, um, uh, and and so you you see the the anti-Semitic hate crime laws being enforced, and um, so so effectively because they know they know what happened. Germans and Italians know what happened. You know if 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 there's one thing that the movie shows or a message at the end, if you want to come away with a message, is that violence in any form is not an achievement. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Italians believed in that. Uh, they did the right thing at great risk to themselves. Uh, and um, they pulled it off. It's, it's an amazing mm-hmm. story. And, um, you know, I uh, J- yeah. Judith Yitzhak says, and when in the conclusion of her talks, yeah. she says, I learned as a little child in Ferramonte that it is not part of the Ita- Calabrese character to harm a child. Wow, okay, and yeah. Yeah. that was demonstrated over and over again. Wonderful, mm-hmm. wonderful story. Well. Uh, I'm crossing my fingers, as it were, some pun intended, that uh, that uh, that the film, you know, my that has gone several several offers, but not to quote the Godfather, but they've been offers that he can refuse, mm-hmm. <laughs> as as it were, and uh, you know, he's he's been waiting to do the right thing. I know he's had some private screenings there in Italy. I think one in Torlonia, in Rome, and some others. I guess I guess uh, the the attendance has been very, very good, positive. Uh, I, I think the last screening was the, was at the Italian Parliament. Uh, it also is very appropriate for school children because yes. it, it because so much so many documentaries and films are so violent. Yes. Um, and they show they show such horrible things being done to Jews that it's disturbing for children. This film. Allow, uh, allows the story to be told in a, in a way that is appropriate for young people. Uh, yeah, I believe the, the, the Italian version of the Motion Picture Association of America that gives the ratings, I believe they gave it a rating of a G. Mm-hmm. Which, yes, I think, and- I, except for a few intense scenes towards the beginning to let the people know, look, this, this is the real deal, what happened, even though the movie goes on to... I guess I'll give you one little spoiler. The movie does have a happy ending because that—that's how it happened. So n- n- no more spoilers. The deliberation, uh, absolutely. Yeah, right, Were you able to? Ch- yeah. Did you change the music there? That. Uh, we the uh, song? yeah towards the end yeah yeah we we won't give it away yeah I believe that's been corrected. It was kind of a little cute blooper at the end. Um, I get why yeah. it was in there, but no, we won't go into it. But yeah, I believe that's been yeah, fixed. Yeah, yeah, because the song hadn't been written. Yeah, at that yeah, point. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it was and those cute. of was... those of us of, of a certain age would know that. Others that's might right. not. Yeah, How that's old true. Is your dad, by the way. He's uh he's what eighty three something like that. Or, yeah. My goodness, God love him. I'm I I, safe. I I have to tell you that uh, he called me after you called him, and he says, uh, "Hey, she calls me righteous." And he says, "How do you spell that?" Yes, <laughs> <laughs> he right, you did he's good. He's a righteous gentile, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. No, he he he, he did Zadik. what he believed in. He, Hebrew as the yeah. He is a Zadik. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think what he's done is, um, I, well, he just felt this uh, desire, this vision, this purpose to do this film, and like he was, um, 
when he had the private screenings, he kept saying, I wanted to show the movie, this story, because never again, never again, this must never happen again, you know. But, um, yeah, he, uh, at the Italian Parliament screening a few months ago, I believe there were, I think he said there were some school teachers there as part of the, the kids going on a field trip to learn about the history. And I guess a lot of people there at the Parliament didn't know about this, uh, this, this uh, story. No, you know, no. A lot of Italians don't know about it. A lot of Italians have never been to Calabria. They go as far south as Naples, and then they take the train and go to Sicily, and uh, say there's nothing in Calabria. You know, well, it's, who would have uh, thought? It, it, yeah, yeah. Who who would have thought that a ex farmer like my dad would get an invitation from the Vatican and the Italian Parliament? Good go, for him. Go figure because that. He, because yeah. he did. He is a righteous. He is a righteous man. He is, is a deacon. He put out his time, his effort, his money, his heart and soul into this. And uh, um, and and he's telling a story that uh, that is really, really important, especially as anti-Semitism rises throughout Europe. It is even more important than it was when, when he started working on the film. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a long, hard journey. Uh, hopefully soon, uh, something will come out of it where you can get some kind of a deal to show it you know, around the world where it should be shown. Because this is, really, this is not just a Calabrian story or an Italian story. It's a human story. Yeah, of course. That, that needs mm -hmm. to be told. And I'm, I'm hoping soon. I'm hoping soon. So we'll see what happens. I never thought in a million years I would be on Skype talking to the first Italian rabbi. I never thought in a million years this has Italian been Italian woman rabbi. Italian, Italian woman, woman rabbi. Correction, Italian woman rabbi. Right, yeah. Uh, if somebody had told me this 20 years ago, I said, what are you drinking? What are you doing? Too much Italian wine. What's the matter with you? No, but this was... Uh, this was a joy. Yeah. My pleasure. My great yeah. pleasure. Please give your dad my greetings. I'm hoping to see him on Sunday. So I guess we'll leave uh, this. We'll leave the people with uh, the word peace in Jew, Jew, uh, Jewish languages. La shalom. 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 Yes. Shalom. Oh. Be shalom. Yes. We create peace by our actions. We create peace by our behavior. And uh, the, the, the story of Ferramonte is a story of doing the right thing in the face of great danger, uh, in the face of, 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 um, of, of tremendous opposition. It is a, um, it is a, it's a timeless story because it deals with character and it deals with, um, with doing the right thing and uh, um, honesty and righteousness. Your dad is righteous. He is. It's a, Thank you, uh, Rabbi. It's Thank you very much. Thank you're you. welcome. This was a good Be welcome. Right. You too. Yeah.